0: okay let's begin welcome to survive it well i'm Haley. i'm a partner (laughs) (laughs) uh let's jump right into it because i'm dying to know yeah this week for our best worst or most notable oh we have to swap what we did last... Not swap, but like trade. Yeah. Last week, I told you the best meal I had made in the week. You told me the best thing you've made in the whole your whole lifetime. Yes,
1: because I forgot how this works.
0: <laughs> so now we switch. Tell me what the best thing that you made this week was.
1: Oh, uh, So out of the best, worst, most notable, mm. I'm picking worst. Okay. I didn't <laughs> because know Because it's a simple answer. Okay. Today, so... I have to go back a little. My family was visiting me a few months ago. Yeah. They stayed for quite a while. And what they left behind was a lot of rice powder.
0: Huh. Ah, okay. Yes.
1: Which is an ingredient that's useful, but not that useful. Because mm. I'd asked for one specific packet to for them to bring along. And they did. Mm. But when my mother came here, she discovered more places that sold rice powder. And if there's anything you need to know about my mother, everything that you need to know is in the next sentence, is that she proceeded to buy all the other options of rice powder. So she's left me with like four packets of rice powder and I don't have enough use for all of them. So I'm always trying to look for an excuse to use it. Mm. This is the, the setup of my story.
0: <laughs> By the way, I think your your mother and my dad, we get along great.
1: Yes, I think so too. They yeah. <laughs> just keep buying, buying things for yeah. everybody. Yeah,
0: yeah. So,
1: uh, so I decided I had bought some vegetables mm. and I decided to make a baked vegetable okay. in white sauce. Mm. Yeah, sounds great, doesn't it, does? it? Wait till you hear what <laughs> happened next. Okay. So now how we usually make the white sauce is you use like a, a plain flour and you mix it with milk. Okay. I do not have milk in my house. Mm. So I, decide, I checked if we can use water instead and they'd be like, it, it won't be as thick so don't use as much water as you would use milk and I was like, got it.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And I did not check if I can use rice flour instead of,
0: <gasps> instead of all. Purposes. It's so gloopy.
1: Yeah, it was really gloopy. <laughs> and so I mixed it and while it was hot and bubbling it looked pretty much the same sure. but then I decided to bake it so I put cheese on top of it it wasn't a disaster
0: <laughs> that's <laughs> what I like at a restaurant they say this meal is not a disaster <laughs> but it was uh, quite bad mm. um, I had
1: chili oil so I just doused it in chili oh. oil after it came out of the, out of the oven and that rescued it. And then the story doesn't end there because I had that for lunch. Oh, and no. somewhere along the, the day, where my, my brain was not all there today. But somewhere along the day, I was like, maybe I can make these sort of, I have I, I had a whole other bowl left, which okay. I had not had. Okay. Uh, I said, maybe I can make a, like a little pancake type thing, like a vegetably pancake because mm. once I fry it, the rice flour that cooks, it'll be nice. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, but it was too full of vegetables oh, no. so I couldn't really flip it as a pancake so every time I tried to scrape it off the pan it sort of became a gloopy mess again so I just left it and then uh, on the pan and then it would sort of stick to the bottom so I would try to flip it again so it was by the end of it I just had like a hot non-baked version of it it was oh, cooked, yeah. because I'd cooked it before, mm-hmm. with full of little crispy bits, so crispy bits were good. Oh, but good. yeah, overall, my lunch and dinner were both a disaster, I don't know why I decided to have them both on the same day, but that's basically, it maybe, has been consumed. Maybe it's a yeah, it's a good thing you just got, uh, it, got out it out of, out of the way. So thing.
0: do you have any rice powder left? I have so much oh, left. Oh no, we By can my, mochi.
1: Okay, great. I'm, I'm in the market for any recipes that use <laughs> okay. rice powder. My sister told me to make tempura vegetables, Ooh. which usually you you need uh, some specific thing, but she said you can you can uh, like substitute idea. it for, so she told me to make a dipping sauce and make tempura vegetables, mm. which is great. Yeah, that's a good idea. I can cook it for both of us, so that <laughs> more rice powder will get used. Can it's completely selfish.
0: But you tried something new, like when people are feeding you stuff and stuff. Like when I make
1: food, it seemed like a no brainer. Oh yeah, of course I can. Uh, I can replace milk with water, and of course I can replace
0: flour with rice powder. Yeah, it's an interesting hypothesis. They're both white powders. <laughs> So could cocaine, have, yeah. I could have
1: replaced it with cocaine, <laughs> I would have had a better, better day. I know, please tell you that
0: now. I feel badly about what I'm about to tell you. No, 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 <laughs> please go ahead. Okay, I'm gonna tell you about the best thing, I'm gonna tell you about the best 24 hours of food making. Oh, my, uh, let me, yeah,
1: let me interrupt this with in the story, okay one birthday of mine what i wanted was just good food throughout the day Mm. and so my mother and my sister just Mm. every hour i would just get a fancy plate of delicious food it was the best birthday i was just sitting and reading a book in a corner not talking to anybody and just getting beautiful delicious food every
0: hour i love this idea that's That's what i
1: wanted for my birthday and it was amazing i think i'm
0: gonna use that you should i like that mm-hmm. I, a lot
1: go ahead because you said 24 hours yes
0: say. so this was like early pandemic mm-hmm. when everyone was like scrambling to find ways to not be looking at their phones and to like fill themselves with mm-hmm. an ounce of enjoyment
1: yeah.
0: and that sounds like a lot of like what i'm still doing these days <laughs> <laughs> But not in the kitchen. Um, but I was at my parents' house, so I had, like, all of the things that a kitchen, like a, yeah. a well-stocked kitchen yeah. has in terms of, like, appliances and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was really getting into baking, as everyone was. And my, I ordered Claire Saffitt, Um, Her cookbook, Dessert Person, had come out. Mm-hmm. And so it arrived to my house on the same day that I had started making um, pan chocolat. Oh. So I had like spent all day laminating the dough and whatever, and you have to let it sit overnight. So I was like, well, I'm not gonna have a delicious treat at the end of the day, even though I've done all this work rolling That's and folding and rolling and folding. So, her her book arrived, and the recipe that I made was a goat cheese and fig cheesecake. <gasps>
1: Oh, this sounds so good. It was
0: so good. It was like fig season. My dad went out and got a crate Hmm. of figs, fresh figs. Mm -hmm. And then I made this, yeah, like goat cheese. So it wasn't so sweet. I don't think I've ever had fresh figs, by the way. Oh, when they're ripe, but so the, the cheesecake itself, normally cheesecake is like very rich and very sweet, like American style cheesecake, but this one because it had goat cheese it was like a little it had like a little bit of tang mm-hmm. oh it was oh so God. good so this then that night we had so cheesecake good. with fresh figs and then the next morning i baked the pan chocolate and had we had fresh <sighs> like chocolatey croissant it was <sighs> a great it was a great 24 hours for me i was like Your this is what i meant to do
1: you have to start uh stress busting by baking again so that i can reap all the benefits of it because yeah I'm, like now I'm the stand-in for your family, so i would get all the true. benefits.
0: Okay, let's discuss our recs. We have a lot to say about our recommendations we this week. All right, shall we talk about yours first? Yes,
1: because it'll be shorter. Okay. So I recommend it to you. Yeah. Radical, what was it? Children's, Radical
0: Children's Lit Now! No! Exclamation point. Yeah. yeah.
1: Firstly, I'm very against exclamation points in, in, in titles. I agree. Every time I've put an exclamation point in a title as an editor i've always regretted it
0: yeah
1: and you know but I, I i always read this like a chant like a like a like a big war cry, cry. Yeah. yeah so so it works
0: i feel the same way i've seen it in if it's like in quotation marks uh-huh. then i'm like yeah yeah, yeah. so what did you I think hate. of it great I, Yay! yeah absolutely great Okay, you were telling me, part of the reason you wanted me to read it is so that you've been reading Philip Nell specifically, yes. his his work, and you wanted me to, you were saying how excellent his nonfiction writing is. Yes. And I totally get it. Right? It is so clear. Yeah. Not a sentence is wasted. Yes. That is the opposite of how I'm able to write at this point. hmm all the sentences are wasted. <laughs> I get it, I get it. Every sentence introduces a new idea or is clarifying something that needed clarification. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's not It's not pointless clarification. Yes. It's not just providing another example like what I just did as I was speaking. Yeah, I know what you mean. It's, yeah. Each word is in its correct
1: place. Each sentence is distilled to its perfect... Like, it's communicating effectively. Every single word is doing... It's job. Yeah. There's no slackers. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Compared to what I suggested to you, I was like, oh my gosh, this is so, such a difference.
1: Yeah. yeah, yeah. The, the writing was very different. Yeah. Oof.
0: Um. What did I want to tell you? I didn't know the etymology of the word radical, which comes from yeah, the Latin yeah. word for root. Love that. Amazing. Like you're getting to the root of something. Really liked that. Um. It was interesting what they called the civilizing process, which mm-hmm. is basically children learning to submit to authority. I yeah. was like, yeah, the word civilized or in civilizing. Yeah. What a, a troublesome concept. Yeah. Um, Oh, something we were talking about. I just wrote a note down as we were discussing mm-hmm. right before this. You said we were talking about You shouldn't have to be critical about the things that you love as a kid. Mm -hmm. And it's tricky because the whole sort of like the part of the article that I read that you asked me to read was talking about how censorship and what is being funded to be published Mm, is really being restricted. Mm -hmm. It's tricky because you do like you don't want I agree that you don't want kids to have to be critical about the things that they're reading that they love, it should be obvious why they would love it. Mm-hmm. In one way, censorship at its like most distant level mm-hmm. seems like an okay idea. Yeah. But deciding like this is what kids should yeah. be reading, this is what they should be loving, mm-hmm. deciding for them what they love. Like not putting swear words in books.
1: Is I a guess is censorship and yeah. it's a
0: decision and this isn't this isn't necessarily where I mean the the article goes in another direction and I'm not I'm not vouching for the censorship mm-hmm. to be clear yeah it is keep the problematic literature that existed in our past mm.
1: so uh things like uh dr doolittle has a lot of problematic representation on the original mary poppins has a lot of problematic representation so either those things are being like the problematic parts are being taken away mm. and the story is still being presented to kids or the books are being banned like in some of the dr seuss books and he argues for keeping it intact as long as you can have a conversation about it because mm. Some of these kids are going to grow up and face prejudice in their lives. Yeah. And the the rest of the kids won't have any context for, for it and won't be aware of it at all. Mm. And just being able to have those conversations in a controlled environment is important. On the other hand, I know that that's a very privileged point of view mm. because not everyone has the training to have those conversations. Right. Not everyone has that teacher who would be able to contextualize it. Mm-hmm. And it can be used as a tool for bullying. Yeah. So if like in in some of the public schools in India, it might be a better decision to not have problematic content rather than assume that there'd be someone to contextualize it. Yeah. Yeah. Also and while I'm like we should love like with abandon because Mm. when i was a kid i loved enid blyton books Mm. but they are they have a lot of problematic content which i only know now Mm. They're still a very formative part of my life
0: yeah
1: but now i'm able to look at them and say this is what i loved about it and this is really problematic and i know that i won't read those stories to my nephew yeah but i also if i read something that i disagree with to my nephew I'll always have a conversation about it so I am contextualizing it for him Mm -hmm. and I'm making sure that he's able to critically engage with the books that he's reading even when he's five yeah so like if there's a book in which all of the mother is only in the kitchen Mm -hmm. then I'll have a conversation about I won't not read the book to him if I like the book yeah but I will have a conversation about isn't it odd how the mother is always in the kitchen. Mm-hmm. Why can't the father help out instead of sitting and reading the newspaper in the picture book? Yeah, and I feel like that's important, even though I didn't have that.
0: Mm-hmm. It's just building it into habit, like it. Yeah, not. I mean, loving with abandon doesn't mean loving unconditionally. Yeah, you can love something very even people. You can love. Yeah. Very deeply. Despite exactly. flaws. Yeah. And and to like engage with those flaws and not just to say like, oh I know those are there but I just ignore them. But mm-hmm. like you're saying, you yeah. you say they're here and they're a part of it. Yeah. And so let's discuss if it was you who was writing this. Yes. What yeah. What might you change? That's that's also part of like the process of art is exactly. taking something and saying what's great about it Mm -hmm. and what's not great about it. Yeah. It also reminds me, or it there's just so much value in studying these things. Mm -hmm. Like in his work and also in your dissertation, like these are questions that people have. How do I how do I raise my kids? How do I be a good teacher? How do I be a good teacher? Yeah. Yeah. To children, like, what what is the quote-unquote right thing to do mm-hmm. necessary yep. and helpful? Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Um, I wanted to ask you, I want to know how the idea of radical kidlet plays into your dissertation. If it was a new idea, if it plays into it at all.
1: Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I mean... I would like to get to a point where we don't have to describe it as radical but all of what I'm arguing is is the same things of being able to being able to take more from the books that we are reading and be able to like right in the beginning of the piece I I haven't noted down the quote exactly but like don't simplify things for children because they are going to like political things are something that they are already part of. Mm-hmm. By existing in this world, they are already a part of it. Yeah. So sanitizing things for children or talking down to children or trying to keep them safe mm-hmm. is a pointless endeavor. Yeah. And what I'm writing about in my thesis as well is how to give them books that will help them deal with the world mm-hmm. better. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Also, it's like, it's such a, it's such a, not even an an idea, but it's such a a privileged position to be in to say, I'm going to shelter my kid from something. Mm -hmm. Because like the world isn't sheltering anything from everyone, anyone. But privilege does allow some children to be kept from knowing things or being exposed to things before other children. And the idea of like, i'm gonna i'm not gonna share this with my kid is like other kids have to deal with that but my kid doesn't have to yeah
1: yeah it's such a problematic point of view because you're already making it somebody else's problem yeah which is yeah which is like the root of of most of yeah yeah yeah
0: yeah Hmm. yeah is there anything else that you wanted to say or talk about it no, that's it. I loved it. Yay. I mean, I love uh, what you were just saying is, it's w- something that you said, actually, it's not just like that the books that they're reading are radical, mm-hmm. but that the reading of it is radicalized. Yes. Like yeah. it's radical reading of radical ideas. Yeah, yeah, readings. yeah. yeah you mm. right. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. Okay. My recommendation to you yes. was an article called Why Eco Poetry? Mm-hmm. We There is No Planet B. Yeah. By a critic called John Shoptoff. Okay. Give me your thoughts. Okay.
1: So it was long yeah. and confusing. Yeah. But I really enjoyed it. Did you? Because I love pedantic things. <laughs> and just uh, the fact that he put in so much thought into what exactly like he situated eco-poetry really well according to me. Hmm. Like he defined it so specifically within the genre of poetry within environmental poetry where does it overlap with with nature poetry where does it not Mm -hmm. what is environmental poetry what is eco-poetry what's the difference between them I think like I don't agree agree with everything Mm. but he addressed everything like Mm. no matter what questions were going on in my head they were eventually answered Mm. you told me to read a little bit i don't know how i would have read a little bit and got anything out of it so i did read the whole thing yeah but uh yeah i I found it really fascinating Mm. let me tell you some specific thoughts i agree very wholeheartedly with his thoughts about anthropomorphism Mm
0: -hmm. yeah but you can't it's not about what would it be like for a human to be a bat? Yeah. But the question should be what's it like for a bat to be a bat. Exactly. A yeah.
1: Exactly. And by letting yourself not imagine uh what the other species are feeling, you're sort of reducing them to a robotic non-sentient being. Yeah. And I feel like that's really important because People have taken such a firm stance against anthropomorphism.
0: Hmm.
1: Whereas I think it was <clears throat> Charles Foster who said it's our, it's our best guess. Hmm. Yeah. And I think that's a great way to put it. Yeah. Because what we have, if all we have is language. Mm-hmm. And to be able to use that to get other people reading it to have empathy towards the thing that we're talking about is so powerful. Mm. Why would you deny yourself the full range of possibilities? Yeah. So, yeah, I completely agree with that. Mm. One thing, mm. one thing that confused me about uh, this particular definition, he said um that it should be, it should not be human-centric. Yeah. Is what he said initially. And mm-hmm. then he gave an example. And that was human-centric. I agree. But... Not only did I disagree with that, I feel like he later okay, went okay. back on it mm. because, like, later when he's talking about, uh, he's giving examples of that poem of somebody losing their house or things like that. Mm-hmm. That's all human centric, there mm. is no other interpretation of it. And he does very firmly say that that belongs in the eco poetry genre, and I would tend to agree mm. uh, that you cannot separate the the human the effects that the climate catastrophe is having on human beings from the effect that they're having on on other species because Mm -hmm. it's it's nearly the same thing there are so many people who are being affected by the actions of fewer people yeah but that aspect of the climate crisis is very important and belongs very firmly in whatever he thinks eco-poetry should be Mm. so I don't know why he initially said no and why he later said yes and that part confused me a bit yeah
0: I I also feel confused by that I have on my desk over there a whole collection of Mm eco-poetry and one of the things that I asked you or suggested to to think Mm -hmm. about not necessarily that you have to know but if you think you've encountered eco-poetry before as a way of saying like do you have a a strong enough grasp on what also he's just one person yeah, suggesting sure. his definition.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: I I'm also very confused. Like it's so specific. Yes. In a way that that at the end I'm I'm like, I have no idea okay. how I would read something
1: and, and decide no,
0: whether it fits or not.
1: I know what you mean.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: But I did understand by the end of it I knew that if I read the poem, I'd be able to tell if he would consider it ah, of poetry okay, or not. okay, yeah, and uh, so I did understand his definition right. of it. So I'm not completely. Actually, it's fine. I I like that there's a separate section where he wants to talk about the the negative effects of human actions on the environment. Yeah, and that's that seems to be an important part of it for him. Yeah, and uh by the end of it I was like yeah but like towards the middle of it I was saying uh to myself that yes this is important but it's also important to tell stories of that make you care for the environment positive stories that will make you want to save yeah things and make you realize what you're fighting for and I know that in children's literature that's a big part of it like like being hopeful is is an important part of the continued fight against yeah. climate change. But then he addressed it in the end. I really liked I really liked what he said about that. Mm-hmm. So like I said, everything I thought of, he he was he very comprehensive. Yeah. And he covered all of it. Yeah. And um, it is but like you said, he's just one person and it is very subjective. Yeah. Um, especially when you get into because so much poetry is is metaphors and and imagery and there's so much you can do on so many different levels Mm -hmm. that I think it could be challenging to very firmly rule some things out. Like I cannot recall any poetry but I can feel pretty certain that there can be poems already existing or will exist in the future that won't meet all of these criteria, but that even he would not be able to deny hmm. belong in this category because they're doing exactly what he intends right. for eco-poetry to do, but yeah. have found a way to do it without meeting all of these criteria. That makes
0: sense. Yeah. Also, this this article came out in 2015, I believe, mm-hmm. which is uh, seven years ago? Yes. Which is like a pretty significant amount of time, not in terms of like literary history, but in terms of changes environmentally and artist response to it. That's a pretty long time ago. Like there's, we talked about before, this whole field of Mm eco-justice poetry, which necessitates that humans are involved, like the human experience is involved in it. And so I think he is trying to separate that. He's trying to say eco-poetry is about the non-human nature. I mean he he literally he says at the start eco-poetry the first his first qualification of two mm-hmm. is that it has to be about the environment yeah. slash the non-human world and yeah. he says really not just figuratively yeah 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 so I he is he's not saying this is the best type of poetry. He's just he's saying just this defining, is a type of poetry. I yeah. think because around I mean, increasingly, ever since, in America, also this is a very American magazine, and also, whatever, all the the poetry he was talking about was American, like, ever since sort of the beat poetry movement, Mm -hmm. increasingly people are writing, and trying to grapple with, like, what what am I writing? Is this Mm -hmm. nature poetry? Is it environmental? Is it eco-poetry? So I, I think he's just trying to say, this is what... When you're using the term eco poetry, this is what you're actually talking about. Yeah, I have a very hard time with categories. Yes, myself. as soon as you
1: name a category or try to define a category, you'll start looking for places where it doesn't. You will realize up. that the boundary is porous. Yeah, but that happens. Every single time that you try to do it, but people still keep trying to do it, and it's fine.
0: Yeah, I like that he says that it has to portray nature as being threatened by human activity. Yes. Um, And that not only in, like, the content, but that it also, in either the content or the form, aims to unsettle the reader. Mm -hmm. So it's not like you're arriving at this place where it's like, all of this bad is happening, but look at the potential I mean that Mm -hmm. could be part of it but may so maybe a different example like here's what went wrong but here's what we did about it it's fine now Mm. it it has to yeah be unsettling in a way that a lot of poetry isn't yes you know it's a lot of poetry is like here's a place to put your anguish or your pain or whatever you like someone else understands Or is thinking about what you're going through or Mm -hmm. the problems you're thinking about. That this poetry is meant to leave you like, oh, I don't feel great about that. Mm. Or unsettled. Unsettled, I think. Not necessarily not feeling great about it.
1: Yeah, but even... Because sometimes you you feel... Yeah, okay, I get get it. Like like not feeling... Not just saying it's not Oh yeah, it's so sad climate change. Yeah. But oh people are losing their houses because of it. Mm-hmm. But if it's the person who's losing their house reading this poetry, right. it's not gonna it's not gonna be unsettling to them. Yeah. Real life is unsettling to right. them. So then you've, got to, you've yeah. got to start it's it's this when you start defining these things, then it then you realize how how many people just assume their readership. Yes. And that's a bit uncomfortable.
0: He also says something at the start where he's like, most of us don't encounter, we can't, we don't experience climate change. And I was like, I don't know who you're writing for. Yeah. I mean, I know who you're writing for actually. Yeah. 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 Um, oh, the last thing I wanted to say is that, uh, I liked this whole, I've never heard this before. I mean, I've read this before, but I never paid so much attention to what he calls like didactic poetry where you're just like yeah. spelling out yeah what you're saying and I think that's the I think that's actually like we were talking about last week the thing that I've been bumping up against mm-hmm. with my own writing is that yeah it's more didactic than I mean it to be right but also hmm. that's one of the things that I thought
1: I don't know how you can define that yeah because I might read a story like I might read something that moves me and doesn't make me think it's didactic but another person might read it and be like that's a bit on the nose showing Mm -hmm. me other people's trauma obviously you're trying to teach me a lesson about the bad effects of climate change or Mm -hmm. whatever Mm -hmm. so yeah that's a bit That's that definition is not really but I think he also realizes that Yeah. because he does keep saying like overly didactic yes and you can tell when things are overly didactic
0: this is a problem with criticism that when i was in fourth year i was looking at doing master's programs in literary criticism i was like i'll be a critic Mm. and then i was like i just can never say something so firmly i would never be a person who can say i think this is this and this is Mm. this and often like, sometimes I'm relieved when other people do, and, and other times I'm like, I'm just angry at you for doing that. Why do you get to decide that? But I, I feel like he, while trying to set some sort of definition around this concept, I feel like he balanced it okay. It was, it was fairly,
1: overall, let's say, I agree with most of what he said, mm. and... There is merit in that that category. And now that I know his definition of it, I don't know how official this is. I don't know how effective these things are if they are not universal. Like you have a collection of eco-poetry and it might not meet all of these criteria because they don't care yeah. what this one person is saying is the definition of eco-poetry. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? But it's also a very new genre and that's probably how all genres start. Yeah. Is people figuring out the boundaries and figuring That's out true. where to place themselves within it.
0: That's true. It's tricky because it feels, <laughs> everything like environmental feels so urgent right mm-hmm. now. And so you just reminded me that like making a definition around this genre isn't like the the literary tradition isn't going to act as urgently. It'll like yeah, exactly. it'll try and keep up with the conversation because yeah. things are changing so rapidly, and what people are writing about is changing. Mm-hmm. But the ways that people decide on tradition and truth and whatever
1: yeah, but like all before reading this article, I would have assumed that all nature poetry is eco poetry, mm. and because it just sounds like another word for nature poetry yeah so i don't know like eco justice sounds firmly a different category but this just sounds like it could be nature poetry so i hadn't thought of making a distinction especially between like environmental poetry and eco poetry Mm -hmm. and things like that but i guess we're all still figuring it out but uh...
0: also at the time we were learning about this Mm mm-hmm we were talking about how no no one can be an eco poet. I mean, well, few people are eco poets because they write they might write a poem that doesn't fall into that category and then like it's it's a type of poem. It's not a type of poet. poet. Yeah. Okay. So I gave a, a presentation about like two Margaret Atwood poems and how one was an eco poem and one wasn't. And then at the end I was <laughs> like, by the way, don't really know if I even like I just used his definition. Mm-hmm. I looked for others couldn't find them. And I was also like I don't even really know what the purpose is. Mm-hmm. Like I don't know. I like both of them. They both are talking about the environment. I guess it's just a way of of clarifying what the poem's trying to do and how it's doing it. Yeah. I think I feel like it's his idea
1: of eco-poetry is born out of a frustration of yeah, we need a lot of a lot more environmental writing given the climate crisis and then when he looked at all the environmental writing so many people were romanticizing nature and he's like no we need more like talk about the crisis Mm. talk about the actual problems that are happening and people need to know and if they don't know through the news or if they're not believing the news or if there are people spreading misinformation on the news maybe they can get it through art and art poetry needs to create that panic because if people are reading poems and and being affected by them then this is what they should be caring about and just make them care about it yeah so i I get the the thought behind it and i fully support it and if i I completely agree that we need more of it even still
0: like in this program that we're doing yeah exactly like we need more eco-literature i agree yeah 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 Yeah. great discussion great discussion good recommendation Okay, now we've come to the time. That I have no notes. How the turntables! (laughs) It's my turn to interview you about your dissertation. (laughs) (laughs) That's my that's my scholarly (laughs) one. I may pull my
1: glasses down to the tip of my nose. No, I can't breathe. (laughs) (laughs) How do people do that?
0: You're avoiding. You're trying to procrastinate. Yes,
1: yes, that's my writing style. (laughs) Welcome to Aparna Kapoor
0: okay I'm gonna ask you the same question you asked me what which is tell me about your emotional journey your dissertation so far
1: okay yeah um so right in the beginning my my first uh, my first instinct was fun of excitement because I knew that I wanted to spend so much time studying one thing and I knew that it would be children's literature because Mm -hmm. I was most excited about that and I can never grow bored of that. Mm. Then I was, then I was torn because uh, a part of me wanted to, I just wanted happy things in my life. Mm -hmm. I just wanted to. Things
0: got really dark in the world. I mean, already, like they were, were but they got worse around January, February when we were first starting. Oh, what do you mean? I mean, the war in Ukraine started. Oh, sure.
1: I, I don't think that would have affected my thought process. Mm, okay. What I mean is that um, I was, a part of me wanted to pick a topic that would allow me to just, just engage with the joyful parts mm. of literature. picture books because there are so many joyful parts of them but uh then i realized that it it just would not be honest because i spend so much of my daily life grappling with issues of like social justice and and the climate crisis that it felt like a no-brainer that that has to be it it felt inevitable that it had to be a part of my thesis yeah and i tried to get out of it in many ways so that i wouldn't have to spend all these months uh delving deeper into things that i know would knew would make me angry yeah and i already knew on a surface level, the number of problems because I've spoken about like the lack of diversity in picture books. I've read many papers about it already and I've read books about it and I've seen talks about it and I've attended panel discussions about it and things like that. And I know it's a very frustrating area, but it just felt, especially after our course where we read so many white male authors, it just felt inevitable that I was already spending so much time thinking about this that it would be idiotic not to include it in my thesis. So once I figured out um, that my cross section would be these three things meeting. Mm social justice and climate change and picture books mm-hmm. and once i figured that out i felt i automatically felt that it was the right thing to mm-hmm. have done mm-hmm. and after that I, I knew then it was just a journey of refining it and i've still i think managed to find a point of view where i'm able to celebrate books that i like Yes, that's
0: what I was say. so
1: that felt important to me yeah. because i didn't want it to be oh, look, there's nothing, but I want it to be, these are some people doing amazing work, and we need more of this.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Which is also, I I mean, it's exactly what Philip Nell was saying mm-hmm. in, in the radical children's literature now, because they're saying, like, there are a few people writing this. There are less than perhaps... Yeah were a couple of years ago because things have cracked down. In mm. America, that's where yeah, they're yeah. talking about. But but the people who are still writing this are doing like yes the necessary radical work. Yes. Yeah. So and
1: now my emotional state is one of I feel overwhelmed a lot of the time because there's a lot I want to say mm-hmm. but I do need to be sensible about what i'm including Mm -hmm. and there's just so much material that i have to wade through before i can find out the best way to say what i want to say Mm -hmm. so that's my constant state is overwhelmed but i'm feeling like by choosing the topic the the biggest or not the biggest step. I wouldn't say it's the biggest step, but I think it's the most significant
0: it's one. It's the first major step, for yeah, sure.
1: Yeah, So I feel confident. I've, I've never doubted it once I've made my decision. Mm. I changed things around a little bit and I've expanded some parts of what I wanted to discuss and, and narrowed down some things that I wanted to discuss mm-hmm. and refined it along the way, but I've never had second thoughts about, am I
0: spending time on the right thing?
1: I, I feel confident about mm. that. So I think that's a big win.
0: That's huge. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Um, Tell me about how your process has changed, if it has, your writing process, your research mm. process, or, or anything through working on this project.
1: Um, Well, the negative parts of my process have not changed that much mm. in that i am am uh i tend to fall into research holes and like i'll spend days reading papers of which i'll only get one sentence into Mm -hmm. my thesis and i know that's part of the process Mm -hmm. but i'm not that good at avoiding like even when i start reading an article it's like i used to be about books when i start reading an article which i know is not going to be useful but i keep holding out hope that maybe towards (laughs) the end there'll be something that'll click and so I just spend the next half an hour reading that article
0: and every once in a while something can like confirms that for you like it does happen and then you're like "Mm." I guess I guess yeah
1: not often enough that I should continue (laughs) doing it
0: uh so that's that's one
1: thing the other negative thing is that I just hate writing so much Mm. and I do tend to procrastinate a lot like day after day I'll be like I'll start after lunch or mm, I'll do something tomorrow. One day is not a big deal, but I'm trying to be strict and to stick to some sort of vague schedule. Mm. What did you ask me? How my process process has changed changed or stayed the same? Um, So those parts have stayed the same, the negative parts, but there have been some like positive uh, things that I've done Mm. in that I make sure to write almost every day, which sort of gets my brain, kickstarts my brain. Mm-hmm. I'm reading a lot of nonfiction, which is a surprising thing, which is which is helping me a great deal. I'm reading all sorts. I love reading nonfiction. Mm. It's uh, one of my go-to genres anyway, but it's just been inspiring me. Just well-written, well-researched nonfiction is just Keeping me going because I'm like, oh, yeah, these people are expressing themselves so well and I need to do that as well. Mm. And, and yeah, so that's been a surprise, a surprise uh, thing yeah. that I've, I've stumbled upon, which is great.
0: Since meeting you. Yeah. Nonfiction has. I mean, also probably that, like working in like my thesis, but I feel like nonfiction has really like I would say fiction. Mm hmm. I rarely read non-fiction before. Right. I mean, I don't know what actually I would call, like, books like The Touching the memoir, Leviathan and stuff. Yeah, I guess those
1: are... Oh, I haven't read that one yet. Memoir I and, and yeah.
0: non-fiction. I
1: memoir don't... is non-fiction. It is? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hmm. Totally counts. What you've been reading sense. is non-fiction. Yeah. yeah. All right. And if you're not used to reading it, to, to, to discover that, oh, there are some... Yeah, I, I still remember there was it was a long time before i discovered my love for non-fiction mm. I, I always thought that oh so so all the school books are real and what mm. i'm reading for fun is is the stories yeah. but there's so much wonderful nonfiction. yeah real life has good
0: stories
1: yes exactly yeah. and i'm just like a relentlessly curious person and i want to know everything about everything mm-hmm. so just reading well-written books uh, keeps me um, keeps me going because I, I school was so bad, school was so bad because even though I was good at it mm. history was just boringly yeah. taught and science was just boringly taught but actually both of those things when you read them in non nonfiction books they're so interesting mm. my I love reading science books mm. because I love science but my my latest thing that I'm going to start reading is like um pop culture non fiction about pop culture cool. is what i want to read yeah a lot of so i've been I trying to make a list of books that 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 fit fit into that genre which look critically at the the media that we consume and sort yeah. of like like talk about that in a more social uh, context and things like that so i've made a list and i'm going to seek some of those books out nice. in the library yeah yeah, yeah.
0: great I have a friend who would have so many. It's like, that's her genre. Uh, it's like everything that she reads. Hey. Cool. Um, okay, I want to know what have been both the toughest and the easiest parts so far. Mm. The
1: easiest part is finding sources. Mm. Whether it be books or like my primary sources, like the picture books I'm talking about or secondary sources. By the way, have
0: you chosen those already, your primary sources? Most of them. I don't even know what they are. That's for us to talk about later. Yeah, (laughs) I've chosen
1: quite a few of them. Um, And whether it's like literature about like scholarship, about picture books or about about anything basically. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I would say... Like, everything seems relevant. I think we've spoken about that before. Yeah. And I'm really enjoying how relevant everything Mm, is. Yeah. I know it's a lot to wade through because of it. But I like that I'm able to quote a poet from the romantic period, a current TV show or a reality show that's happening now. Mm. And... Uh, a picture book published in the 1960s and some scholarship published in 2022 all in the same two paragraphs yeah. and it just feels like i'm able to bring together many things that's
0: too. so exciting yeah you're like there's a whole conversation going on mm-hmm. and and i not that you're at the center of the conversation. You're like kind of absent in the conversation. Mm-hmm. But I'm conducting the conversation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Only Actually, I'm the only one having this conversation. Yeah, it's but like... They're all participating in it. Yeah, mm. I, it's, it's like I can see
1: these invisible strings connecting. Yeah. So that's been the most exciting part for mm. me. And uh, when I spoke to my supervisor and he mentioned that you have a good mix of resources, I was like...
0: Yes, I do. Yes, that's
1: that that's a good thing to hear from a neutral person because i i think that's one of my strong suits Mm. like i'm able to like even when i'm reading a memoir about a fox i'm still able to find this one bit that that makes sense in the context of my of my article yeah so the the bit that i'm writing so that's been the best Mm. part the worst part has been just this, this sense of uh, of panic. Hmm. Because I know I have a limited time and I also know I have a limited amount of space and I know that there are so many things that I want to say. Yeah. So it's pretty stressful to think about how I'm going to make every word count. Mm-hmm. Mm. And also, since I've been postponing that problem, because I know it's a problem to deal with later, like it's it's better to write everything first and then, then work on distilling it further and things like that. Mm. But because I'm postponing it, I know that I'm not dealing with it. Yeah, so I mean, you know that, you have
0: to get to it eventually. Yeah, so
1: that makes me panic more that I know that it's a problem and I'm not doing anything about yeah. it. That's, that's another thing. And also, like, some days I just don't feel like writing. Yeah. Yeah, that worries me. Every day that goes by that I don't write, yeah. it just sends me into panic of, oh, this is an irresponsible. It starts with one day, and then before you know it, you're taking every day off.
0: Yeah. yeah. I realized that tomorrow is the deadline I had set for myself to have the first full draft of all my poems done. Oh my God. And at this point, I have four of ten. <laughs> and I was thinking... That was a bit probably, much. Yeah, it, was a, s- it was like, it was too... It wasn't a reasonable. I mean, also I had no idea. Also, you overhaul your it.
1: idea completely yeah. midway. You've got to grant yourself some time. Yes, to I do. But that. I just, four is pretty yeah, impressive. Four.
0: No, I'm feeling good about the four. Okay. Yeah, but I just I'm not even halfway to like the mm. shallow shallow goal, mm, the like blue yeah, yeah. goal that I would Yeah, said. yeah. So that's fine. Yeah. Not to make this about me. <laughs> Please do. Um, well, I was going to ask you what has stayed the same and what's changed, but I feel like you've already answered that. So I want to know if anyone has given you good or bad advice. Mm. Oh, wait. The other thing I wanted to say is not that this necessarily is like reassuring for this project, but the idea that there's so much more to say about it first of all, is encouraging that like you're one of the few people to put these things together in this way sure. so far, which is very exciting. Mm-hmm. And also that there's potential for like further work on it yeah. outside of a master's. Yeah. Uh,
1: which is one of the things that... So I've been really lucky to have got an excellent supervisor. Yeah. And one of the first things that he said to me was also that this has potential for... PhD, yeah. which pleased me greatly, yeah. but also when we were talking about the thesis itself, he was, uh, he was talking about how the conclusion could probably be point to further work that needs to be done, yeah. which is a bit of a relief to hear somebody say that it does not have to reach an end here Yeah. and say what you want to say, but don't think that you need to say everything in this particular 15,000 words Mm. because it's not going to be enough yeah so I think that was really good advice really good advice also
0: just good in general like as someone or people if I can speak for both of us really good advice about what actually like the pursuit of writing something in academia is meant to do it's not like I've mastered it, it's done. It's science done. Science delivered. Yes. Yeah, it's like, here's what I've managed to do for now. Here's what has to still happen. Yeah. And it probably should be more. Yes. In literature, at least. Yes. In science, maybe it's a little different. Though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And all,
1: although even in literature, if you're setting out to prove a particular thing, then sure. you probably see that through to the end. You're right. Uh, but since my thesis is more Mm open-ended it's um yeah it's important to keep in mind that this is how much i can do at this particular moment and to be able to contextualize that this is what i've done Hmm. and this is the possibility of further research in this field or this is these are questions that are still open
0: yeah yeah Hmm.
1: That, that was one of the first meetings that I had with my supervisor, and it was really helpful. He's the best. And just in general, he's been giving me great advice.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: He's so smart.
0: Yeah. <laughs> he's Sh- been... Shout out, if you're listening, you're not. <laughs> Someday. Someday, maybe. maybe. Uh, Considering they're all on a computer right now.
1: <laughs> i think it would be pretty illegal for him to listen to it but yeah just like simple things like what i was planning on spending 50 percent of my thesis on actually required only 20 to 30 percent because it was just a setup for my main argument has helped me greatly Mm. to even write those words because i was feeling like this is going to take too much time and i'm not going to have enough time for the rest of it it's yeah it's been Mm. great yeah
0: so so glad it's
1: been great to whenever i talk to you about Mm -hmm. my thesis to just have someone tell me that what i'm doing is important Mm. and what i'm writing is decent it just helps to know that because otherwise you feel like you're completely alone in everything and you don't know if it's any good and you're spending day after day just writing things and you don't know if it makes sense to anybody except you. And it's been really good to have this one other person who's like, you're fine.
0: Completely. Yeah. I completely agree. Yeah. I was thinking the other day, I was like, there hasn't been a single day since January where I haven't had moments where I'm like, s- specifically thinking about the word pain. Mm. And, like, that's not normal <laughs> for an extended period, except when you're writing a dissertation, it is, or when you're writing, a like, an yeah. extended project, it is. But I was just thinking about, like, the what I'm talking about with the rest of my friends. I'm still being genuinely me, mm-hmm. but you're the only person who I'm having, like, who I'm talking to about what I'm thinking about yeah. day in and day out. Yeah, 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 You know, with the rest of them, it's a nice break. It's important to have. That's true. And also, we don't talk just about yeah, presentation yeah, yeah. But it's so helpful, yeah, to, like, I mean, I don't know your project as well as you do. You don't know mine as well mm-hmm. as I do. But it's, I can't imagine not having you. Mm. I would... Self combust. Yeah. Yeah. I would, yeah, I wouldn't have, it's not like I would have dropped out, I just would cease to exist. <laughs> yeah.
1: Yeah. It's been, it's been great to not have to have, like, be isolated. Mm-hmm. Even though a lot of, a, a big part of the process is solitary. Yeah. And that's true and it has to be. Yes. But just being able to discuss. Insecurities with other people is important.
0: And when you when you've thought through all these things and you say, I can say to you, this is the conclusion I think I've come to, and this is these are the questions that I have. Yeah. Because I can only answer so many of my own questions Mm -hmm. before I'm like, need another person. Have I gone astray? Like early on in the thought, (laughs) you know? Yeah. 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 Um, I have so many questions that I want to ask you. How do I want to end this? Um, I want to know, well, you can, you can pick between two. Okay. You can either tell me what, what would make you feel really proud at the end, Mm. or you can tell me like what you're thinking you would like to feel at the end. Yeah. I'll answer the second question,
1: which is what you probably suspect.
0: The other thing I was going to ask is what are you fearful of about this? But I just skipped it completely. (laughs)
1: A fearful that I want to finish. You will absolutely finish I will, this, I will. No question. I know that. Um. What do you, What did you say? What I want to feel. How do I want to feel at the end of it? Honestly, I just need external validation as well. Yeah. So I I, I would like it to go well.
0: Mhm. Like. Like a, an actual grade. Yes. Part. Yeah. Yes. Yeah.
1: That's unfortunately important to me. Mm-hmm, I get it. Um. But after having completed it, I guess I just want to know that I've found, I know that I'll be able to articulate my thoughts well, but I want to be able to say everything that I want to say.
0: Yeah.
1: And it just now it seems like a lot, mm-hmm. but I know that I'll refine it as I go along. But I don't want to, I don't want to lose the, I don't want to phone it in at any point. Yeah. I, don't want, I know that it's hard to keep this amount of passion towards one particular project going for so many months. Yeah. But I don't want to lose that because it'll show in my writing. Mm-hmm. So at the end of it, if I know that I've not um, compromised in any way, uh, that, that that's the feeling that I want to have knowing that I've not compromised in any
0: way mm. I yeah, yeah. I like that answer thank you let's move on to our spotlights yeah you've done a lot of talking so why don't I go first yes please uh I am spotlighting a podcast called how to save a planet okay it's a podcast about dealing with climate change that's meant to like, motivate and sort of mm, not uplift mm-hmm. but it's not it's not about devastation I mean it's about devastation I oh. have it on my list oh and my so,
1: gosh I follow this uh I've not yet started listening to it but I've followed it so that I can catch up on yeah. it yeah
0: Yeah. So the I didn't write down her name. It's Audrey something something. I think she was on the most recent episode of On Being. Okay. Podcast. Um, she was the co-founder and she used to be co-host. She's not co-host anymore. Mm -hmm. But she had an episode of On Being called "What If We Get This Right," Mm. which I love that title and question. Um. Yeah, but uh, that is a podcast only on Spotify recommended. Nice. Mm. I also have a spot podcast no recommendation. No kidding. We're so uh, insane In colors Call us Justin Timberlake and Joey Fatone.
1: Yeah, I'll be Justin Timberlake.
0: I'm Joey Fatone.
1: I have no opinion on
0: anyone else.
1: <laughs> what about Lance Bass? I don't know any of these people to be honest.
0: Mm. Yeah. That's fair but you get the reference yeah okay <laughs> you just automatically were like yeah I'm just in all happened. circumstances except when he's trying to be sports mm. oh gosh the funniest thing I've ever seen uh, my spotlight is
1: uh, a, a podcast that I've sadly caught up on but it mm. has given me immense random joy it's called normal gossip and it's just it's just strangers' gossip mm. that they discuss in the podcast, and I feel like everything that I was consuming was so serious and uh, so relevant, and I needed something that was just, just fun, mm-hmm. and I could just enjoy without any feelings being associated with it. Mm-hmm. Like I was enjoying living vicariously through these these episodes and just like getting caught up in drama that i had no emotional stakes in, it was just so much fun a friend recommended it to me and and it was just it's just i think 10 or 12 episodes okay yeah so it was a quick catch up Mm. but it's just so much joy it's just it's just so much fun That's the thing. They're, they're discussing gossip of a stranger yeah. and you get so caught up in the story of this, the drama happening in some stranger's life and it's just so entertaining Yeah. and I have uh, enjoyed being entertained Aww. by it and I look forward to continuing uh, the as, as new episodes come out
0: Yeah. to listen to it yeah gossip is like it's like non-fiction juicy stories yeah it's like what we were just talking about, how great, good non-fiction stories are. Yeah. That's what gossip is. Yes. It's just often about people who you know and who the gossip could potentially harm. Yeah, but... But on this It's podcast.
1: really fun. No, but also... So they start to talk... In the beginning, they have a guest on every week. Mm. And they talk about what's your relationship to gossip. And a lot of the things they said were really interesting mm. about how... It's called gossip when... When women do it or when people from a lower section of society like class of society do it whereas it's conversation when somebody else does it and how it empowers people because um because so many um so many secrets and so many things are used to yeah to to people use them to protect themselves so the gossip is in a way sort of taking that power away from the powerful people and um also things like a lot of movements these days like like the me too movement Mm -hmm. would have started as as gossip or what people would refer to as as gossip and uh
0: salacious
1: yeah exactly Mm. but has had such a big impact Wow, and how like frowning upon it is a way to silence people because you don't want them talking yeah. about these things. So, yeah, interesting. Which was very interesting. Even I thought that 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 made me think differently about it. Mm.
0: Yeah. I mean, there are like there are things that you hear that, or that you know that your friends tell you, whatever that you would I would consider gossip. That mm-hmm. I'm like. They probably didn't want me to know that. Mm-hmm. There's all different yeah, yeah, categories. Yeah. It's such a broad term. Yes. Yeah. But wow, yes. that's so interesting. It is very interesting. It's like a way to leverage power or protection. Yes. Yeah.
1: But also like what I identified with more is some people saying that It's just a way to... You feel special. When people Mm. give you gossip, you feel like they trust you. Yeah. And it makes you feel like with the in crowd. Yeah. And uh, it's an important part of the social dynamic. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah, it's it's tricky because, yeah, there's nothing that feels better than when someone tells you something. Yeah, There's also knowing how you deal with having gossip, Mm. I feel like, is an interesting sort of important part of it yeah. like if someone tells me something and i mean if someone says don't tell this to anyone i would never tell it to anyone yeah, yeah, yeah. there are some things that i'll be like well except tracy's involved in that, <laughs> or like you're involved in that because you don't know anyone else yeah exactly um hmm. but if someone told me something and then i was like oh gosh i'm not going to be able to keep this to myself i'm going to spill that would feel yeah different interesting really. I like yeah, it. It's interesting. I think you'll like the podcast. Yeah, I'm gonna as well. listen to it absolutely. Yeah. All right, tell me about your discovery from the week.
1: Okay, my discovery. I've been listening to this audiobook uh called The Order of Time by Carlo Rovelli.
0: Mm-hmm. And
1: it's about time and it's the most beautiful. I'm loving it so much. Uh-huh. Uh Benedict Cumberbatch narrates the audiobook, which mm-hmm. makes it even better. But just it's just Beautifully written, mm-hmm. but um, so my discovery is from there. There's this German uh, mathematician a physicist called Gottfried Wilhelm, Wilhelm Leibniz, uh, who disagreed with. Uh, he was pre Einstein, and Newton had a lot of theories about time. I won't get into the specific scientific details of it, but basically he disagreed with what Newton was proposing mm. so much. That Newton in his equations uh, used to use T to represent time and he had all these theories about it. He disagreed so much that he dropped the T from his name. <laughs> <laughs> so till today, his name is spelled Go Leibniz. L-E-I-B-N-I-Z instead of N-I-T-Z.
0: That's so catty and petty. I love (laughs) it. It's adorable. That's amazing. Yeah. I would like to feel so passionately about something. Yeah. (laughs) That I change my own name. It's adorable. Wow. Yeah, yeah. I really liked that fact. (laughs) Okay, my discovery. Yes. As you know, I'm in my whale era. Yes, indeed I do. Yes. So, my fact is... Oh, a whale fact. I watched a four-part whale documentary. It's not even about... It's not even from that. Um, Baleen whales, Mm -hmm. as opposed to whales that have teeth. For example, humpback whales have two blowholes instead of one. Mm -hmm. And because of the fact that there's two blowholes, sometimes the plume which is like the shape of the water that comes out, form a heart shape oh, because it like rises, yeah. goes out and, and yeah, falls yeah. T- toward. And because whales are like so oily, mm-hmm. there's oil in the water molecules of the plume. And so it often creates a rainbow, rainbow heart. a rainbow heart coming out of this. And if you look it up, you can just search like whale rainbow heart plume. There's just pictures of like just a little crest of whale and a heart-shaped water with a giant rainbow in it. Yeah, it's amazing. It's beautiful. Yeah.
1: Yeah. That's a good discovery. Yeah, I thought so.
0: I actually first discovered it in The Lost Whale by Hannah Gold. Okay. The book. I'm pointing. <laughs> um, and then I like looked it up because I was like, mm. that scene that sounds like too good to be true. And then I looked it <laughs> up and I was like, oh my gosh. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's true. Yeah. All right, give me a
1: recommendation for next week. Okay, my recommendation. Have you ever heard of The Moth? The, it's this website organization that uh, promotes the art of storytelling. So basically Aww. they hold events where people just come and tell stories from their lives. So they're sort of uh, talking about the commonality of human experience and and that's that's what they stand for, for Aww. storytelling and, and things. So I think they do books and they might do a podcast but basically started its events mm-hmm. and my recommendation is this one particular moth story which is very popular called life on a mobius strip oh i forgotten the name of the the person who who tells the story but okay. it's a it's a video of her telling a story and um she's a physicist and a great storyteller
0: fantastic
1: yeah that's my recommendation what's your recommendation my
0: recommendation is a poem okay called pomegranates by tala abu rameh okay that's it okay i'll send it to you Alrighty. righty thanks I'm for excited. letting me interview you oh you are very welcome
1: i didn't put on a funny accent or anything i spoke oh, no, so honestly you, you
0: did wow mm. good job
1: very disappointed you deserve Something. should have been Foxtrot Oscar answering all the questions.
0: Foxtrot Oscar. Cool. Um, we would like to thank Padre Gotuma. Yes. For writing a poem called The Facts of Life, which provided the inspiration for the title of our podcast Survive It Well. Thanks for listening.